Well, if you got your Bible, I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Excuse me. We're going to begin in verse 13 and read into chapter 4. And uh, I want to talk tonight, just in our time here, about the power of the Word of God. And the Word of God in our life and why it's so important that we base, we base our life on God's Word. You know, how many of you, uh, some, pre- some pastors, some preachers do it. They'll hold up their Bible and say, you know, I am what the Bible says I am. I have what the Bible says I have, and I can do what the Bible says I can do. Amen. Well, you know, we can say that, but are we living that way? And it's so important that we, that we take the Word of God and make it the foundation of our Christian life. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but it just seems like in these days, more and more, the, uh, the world, and the, even, even in Christ, some Christians, they want to... They want to interpret the word of God by their experience. In other words, whatever I've experienced, then I'm going to take my experience or even this, how I feel, right? And then make that what the word of God says. Now, God bless people, you know, our job is to love them no matter how much you think they're out of their mind, (laughs) but we have to love, but you know, uh, just the whole thing. And so I know here at Winter Bible Seminar, uh, the Lord led me, and I, I, I taught along the line of having a Bible-based self-worth, knowing who you are, letting the Bible tell us who we are. Not our experiences, not our feelings, but what does the Word of God say? But along, kind of along that line here, I want to see something here from this. And so in, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, then came, I'm reading from King James, but I might take some King James words out. Is that all right? Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you, and you come to me. Jesus answered and said, Suffer it now, or allow it to be so now. For thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness that he King James has suffered, or he allowed him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Now right here is probably one of the greatest sets of scriptures for the the members of the Godhead all in manifestation at the same time, but different. We've got Jesus in the water, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, and the voice from heaven, which is the Father, saying, this is my beloved Son. All right? And so all three of them. Now notice, what did God say? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now when you find out of the interesting thing, now that's God's word to Jesus right then, wasn't it? That was God's word. Uh, We have it written down, but you know, uh, God's word uh, was written down because he told Moses to start writing it down. And from that time, uh, uh, people began to write down these things and we have it because God wanted us to have it today. But when God spoke there, now that was audible, but God doesn't always speak to us that way. But when God speaks to us, it's his word, right? This is God's word right here. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. All right, so let's go into the next chapter there. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hunger or hungry. You know, sometimes the Bible is just so blunt. It's, it's funny. Like you think 40 days and 40 nights. How many of you can go 40 minutes? 
40 hours, 40 days and nights, and he's hungry. Yeah, praise the Lord. Okay. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if you be the son of God. Now, I want you to notice something here. I mean, I drew arrows from verse 17 down to verse 3. So within one, two, three verses in the Bible here. Now, we realize it's 40 days uh, time period. But notice how quickly the devil came to talk Jesus out of the word of God. All right. Now, I'm going to tell you, we've got the same enemy today. The devil, he wants to talk us out of the word of God because he knows this. If he can keep us from God's word, he can keep us down. You know, we have a period of history that we call the dark ages, right? You, want, you, you know why they call it the dark ages? Because there was no inventions. There were no inventions. And just, you know, mankind just kind of, you know, just slipped into a very dark period of time. There, there wasn't a light until... Until the Bible uh, became available in the, in the uh, uh, language of people. Because what happened was the Bible, the translations of the Bible, the ancient Hebrew, Chaldean, the, the ancient Greek, but then translated into Latin, which became the Bible of the church, you know, the Vulgate and that, if you study all that church history, which is, I like church history, but some people just like, I just lost you, you know, because you, know, you mentioned history, I'm gone. All right. But anyway, uh, it was only... Only those who lived in the monasteries could read it because it wasn't a spoken language anymore. Now, could you imagine going, and then when they went to church, they'd, they'd open up the scripture and they'd read it in Latin. And the high service was preached in Latin. Now, they might have some other things, but so you go to church, all right? They read the scriptures to you in a language you don't understand. And then they preach to you in a language you don't understand. And then they tell you, and you better give money or you're going to hell and then come back next week. That's the only reason because you're not getting. So you can see there's no light. His word, the entrance, the Bible says the entrance of his word is light. It's a light into my path. So it's, the dark, it's a dark time. So, but uh, the devil knows if he can keep the word of God from people, he can hold them in darkness. But man, I'm telling you, when you know the word and you believe it and act upon it, glory to God, it's going to bring a light in your life. It's going to change you from the inside out. Amen? All right, so the tempter came and said, questioned him. All right, and now look what Jesus did, verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written. Notice that phrase, it is written. We're going to notice in verse 7 and verse 10, he says this, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3 that he quotes there. It is written. Now notice he takes that word that God had said and he, he applies it to his life right there. Man shall not live. Now, could he, he, could he have turned the stones? What, could God turn stones into bread? Absolutely. And he says, you're my son. I mean, he could, but he said, he, notice he's not, he's not tempted. He's not trying to, he doesn't, you don't have to prove who you are. Basically saying that, Prove yourself. If you're really the son of God, prove it. Ever had anybody challenge it? Or if you're really a Christian or you really believe in that healing stuff, prove it. I don't have to prove anything to you. I'm going to tell you what the word of God says. You choose to believe it or not. Right? You know, if you don't believe it, it's really your problem, not mine. When you think about it, you know, if I don't believe something somebody says, it's not their problem, it's my problem. And so, but he says, notice how he Notice how he uh, uh, answered the temptation 
was with the word of God. So keep going. Verse 5. The devil took him up in the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. Said, if you be the son of God. Notice he questions that again. Just because you answer him one time doesn't mean he's not going to come back again. He said, cast yourself down. Now look at this. The devil's going to quote the word of God to the word made flesh. I always have loved that. He said, cast yourself down. For it is written. He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they'll bear you up, lest at any time you shall dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. You see, we can't take Scripture out of context and use Scripture in a way that violates another Scripture, or that obviously we'd be in error. And for Jesus to have done that, he would have been wrong. But notice, he knows. He knows. Amen. And so he answers that lie. Verse 8, and again, the devil took him up on the exceeding high mountain, showed him the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said, all these things I give you, if you will fall down and worship me, Jesus answered, get thee hence or get behind me, Satan. Almost like he said to, to uh, Peter back in, in Matthew 16, there says, for it is written, notice, notice all three times it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord, your God and him only shall you serve. Him only shall you serve. So let's look at John, John chapter 1, the gospel of John. So Jesus uses the word of God to overcome and defeat these temptations. Now, you know, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as us, like we are, yet without sin. I wonder how he overcame with the word of God. He applied the word of God. He spoke the word. Notice now in all these, he spoke the word of God. We have Brother Jim Andrews, who's been a powerful missionary in South America. I mean, just, I say powerful because God, God's powerful. But just great results have happened in Peru and Argentina and Chile as he's traveled, Bolivia, just different places there that he's traveled and ministered. I mean, outstanding miracles and different things have taken place. And, and uh, he said this morning, he made the statement this morning that confession of God's word is one of the ways that we lay hold by faith. Of what God has done for us. Confession of God's word. See Jesus put the word in his mouth. And he combated what the devil was saying. With what the word of God said. That tells me this. We've got a greater. We've got a greater set of words. Than the devil can come up with. The words we speak from God's word. Is greater than anything the devil can say. Now right. It's greater. He, our, uh, the word of God is greater. Now here in John chapter 1, familiar verses, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank God. Look at chapter 6 of John. just want to run some scriptures here. The word of God. It's the basis of the Christian life. These words. They're not just on this, on this page, you know. Now, now uh, you know, it's not just ink and paper and, and that type of thing. This is a living document because it's from a living God. You know, any other book that's been written, you know, uh, uh, any other book that you might have on your bookshelf, you know, if it's an old book, you know, written in the 1800s, how many you know that author's gone? But our, the author of this is still alive. He's alive and well. Hallelujah. John chapter 6, verse 63. Now, Jesus has been saying some pretty hard things to him. Been talking to him. And even some of his disciples had turned around. and not, Now, not the 12 we know, but some of the others that we don't know their name. Some of them had left. 
And he says to them here in verse 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, the King James says. Quickeneth is a fancy word for, in King James. We don't use it today, do we? It means make alive. It's the spirit that gives life. Let's say it that way. And the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you are spirit and are life. That Zoe life, the life of God. The words that I speak to you. So we can, we can find life in no other place than from God's word. It is in God's word that the life of God, the life of God comes to us through his word. Okay? That life. Uh, that life, back in John 1, talks about that after the word in the beginning. Talks about that life brought light. Without, without the word, there's no light and there's no life. Interesting. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't give it to you, Wally, back there. But verse 68. Uh, in this same chapter, after uh, Jesus turned to his 12 and asked them, are you going to go away too? Simon Peter, verse 68, answered, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words, the rhema of eternal life. Yes. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Now listen, don't get discouraged. Don't, don't, don't let, I don't care. Here, everybody else is walking away. Everybody else turns, oh, this, is too, oh, this is too much for me. No, listen, you stay with Jesus. Yeah. Don't get discouraged. Where else can I go, Lord? You're the ones that has the word. You are the one, Lord, that has the word of eternal life. Amen. Don't get discouraged. Don't, don't turn away. Well, it, not seem to be, it doesn't seem to be working. Well, just keep on it. Keep on the word. Keep on saying what the word says about that situation. I found this out. You know, his word is, it, we're going to see later, his word is truth. Remember in John 1, 14 says, grace and truth came from the word made flesh. His word is truth. And I found this out, that the consistent application of the truth will change the facts in your life. You know, if you go to the doctor, what are they going to give you facts as they know it right now? This is the way they see it right now. If you consistently apply the word of God, you can change that situation consistently. Amen. Now, thank God, sometimes, uh, sometimes miraculous things happen. Where it suddenly, a suddenly takes place. And thank God for those times. But I don't have to live from suddenly to suddenly when I've got the word of God. The word of God, I can live on it every day. Every day I can live on God's word. Every day God's word is true. God's word never takes a day off. Aren't you glad? Amen. Now, it's okay for us to take a day off. I'd like to take lots of days off right now after last week, after being in church every day, you know, for all that time. But it was kind of, you know, Winter Bible Seminar is a little bit different for me because I'm always there for in the morning with class going on, being, you know, I have the great privilege and honor of being the dean of the school there at, at the dean of the college. And, and so we've got class at three hours of class every morning, kind of like we do at Winter Bible. There's three hours of services, but it's that nighttime, you know, it's that nighttime when Pastor Craig's beating Bozo up on the, and if you don't know about that. That was an incredible uh, uh, demonstration. Uh, was it Wednesday night? You, ought to, you can get on, you know, w- online on the Vimeo, the Raymond channel on YouTube and watch that or order the DVD. And it was an incredible uh, example and a picture of when you get knocked down, just come back up. Any of you ever have one of those blow up, you know, guys that you could punch and you'd go down and they come back up? Well, he showed up at church Wednesday night and it was awesome. So he said, the words, he said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Look at Hebrews chapter four. We're not, we're not saying anything new tonight. I found, I I gave up a long time ago trying to preach something new. Amen. 
Because <laughs> whenever I try to preach something new, you've got to make up a whole lot of stuff that's not even in the Bible. And that doesn't help anybody, does it? <laughs> you know, sometimes young, when you're young, young and dumb, I've been there, you know, if you, I turned 59 in January, so I'm not old yet, but, I'm, but I've been younger than I am now. And you learn some things. This summer, this summer, I'll be 40 years in the ministry. I can't believe that. 40 years since I started preaching, you know, glory to God. But, uh, uh, you know, and man has hung with me all this time. You know, she's, you know, even though she's five years older than me, she's hung with me all this time. Well, you don't believe me? Good, because that's a lie. I'm five years older than her. All right. <laughs> People look, you know, sometimes they just, all right. She has people come up to her, well, don't you get mad when he, te- he says that? She goes, no, he's joking. Amen. All right. Did you find Hebrews chapter 4? Look at verse 12. Familiar word here again. For the word of God is quick, or it's what? Alive. Everybody say, the word of God, word of God. Is, alive. is alive. Glory to God. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, we know it's a sword, but it's so, it's a, it's so sharp and so alive, it can, actually, it can actually divide the difference between your soul and your spirit, and it can divide joints and marrow. It's, like, it's not like a sharp scalpel. It's like a laser scalpel. I mean, it is, it is the greatest instrument that has ever been to, to, to take care of things. That's the scalpel of God's Word. Amen? And when we put it in our mouth, it goes to work on our behalf. Let's go back to John's gospel, John chapter 8. John, the 8th chapter. Here Jesus is is, uh, talking to them, talking to people, preaching as he does, talking to them about the Father, revealing the Father unto them. He, he just said, you know, that the Father sent me. I do always those things that please him. And a lot of people believe. Look at verse 30. As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word. Now notice that aspect. It's not just, you know, we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But it really, it, it, a hearing and hearing, it's a continual thing. I'm continually hearing God's word and continually building myself up. He said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Now notice here, some people, uh, uh, to me, it's misquoting it to say, well, brother, the truth will make you free. Well, he said, it's the truth. He really said, it's the truth that you know. It's the truth that you know. If you don't know the truth, it can't set you free. You've got to know it. Now, what, it, what happens when we know something? We act on it, right? We just don't, we just don't uh, sit there. Uh, how many of you, how many can remember when you, got, when you went and got your first driver's license? You remember that? reason I'm thinking about that, because I've got to renew mine this, before this month's out, okay? Well, now let's, let's say this. I know I have to renew my driver's license by the end of this month. I know that. But guess what? If I don't ever go to the tag agency or the driver's license facility and get it renewed, is it going to do me any good? No. no. I'm going to be breaking the law. Then I'm going to have to avoid Brother Mark, you know, because I don't want him catching me. 
right? Sometimes, you know, our, our just different, you know, I, I, can't, I can't be out on the road because then I'd be breaking the law, right? But see, just because I know it, that's, one, that's great. That's the first step. I've got to act on it. So, you know, I'm, I'm already thinking, man, is the same way. Just, we moved here in February of 2000, so ours is always renews in 2000. So we've got to make sure that we get that done tomorrow or this week early. You know, how many found that you don't go to the tag agency the last day of the month? Because you and everybody else is there. I mean, it is a long line. All right, John 14, let's go over there. So, you shall know the truth, the word of God. That's where the truth is. You shall know the word. Continue in my word and you'll know the truth. Not just hear it once, not just, but continue in the word. So, I'm not just going to say, well, I've heard that word. No, I'm going to continue in God's word. Continue to say what it says. Continue to believe what it says about me. Continue to say what it says about me. And continue to act on what it says about me. And then not just me, continue to believe what it says about you, continue to act on what it says about you, yeah. right? And continue, and continue to say what it says about you. Yeah. I'm going to make the word of God the basis of my life. Now here Jesus, and here in, uh, beginning in John 13 from the time that he, they share the, the, what we call the Lord's Supper, he starts to talk to them, give them some final instructions before he goes to the cross. And uh, he just got through telling them that whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. All right, the works that I do shall you do also. And so, you know, in studying that and looking at that, I, I, I kind of asked, you know, I asked this question. I said, well, what did he give us to do that with? Well, he said, in my name, do that. But then in verse 15, he gives us one of the other things that we're to do those works in. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what's that? That's his word. That's his word. And if you go throughout the book of Acts, you can see how much they, things work. The Bible even says the word of God multiplied. The number, I mean, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied. It was the word of God. They're, they went and preached the gospel. They preached the word of God. They, 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 based on, they based what they did on the word of God. The word of God grew and multiplied here, it says one place. So the word of God was so important. Look at verse 21. He that has my commandments, let me say this, he that has my word and keeps it, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas said to him, not Iscariot, not the one who uh, betrayed him, but this, uh, the other Judas, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus said to, unto him, if a man loves me, he will keep my words. The father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not keeps not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So notice here, Jesus said, you've, you, not only here, but do the word of God. Continuing in the word. Uh, hearing the word is great. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But let's continue in the word of God. And really, the way that we show God how much we love him is by keeping his word. Amen. Now, here's the thing. It, it says we'll manifest ourselves to him. And he says, he that loves me shall be loved of my father. Uh, you, we have to understand, you can't take that and say, okay, well, if you don't do God's work, God doesn't love you. Because there's so many other scriptures that say that God loves us unconditionally. But he's talking about here in, in doing, he'd been talking about doing the works that he did. I can't, God's not going to do, I'm not going to be able to do the works that Jesus did. All right. If I'm not keeping his word, 
I'm not going to have the manifestation of God in my life and ministry without keeping his word. Now, he's not saying it as a threat here. He's just saying, look, keep my word. If you love me, keep my commandments. So many of the time, you know, if we, don't, if we don't have a right view of God, we think he's threatening us here. No, he's not threatening us. He, Jesus is just saying, look, here's how it works. And he really, he kind of says, look, because this word's not mine, it's the Father's that sent me. And, and Jesus basically said, look, this is how I've been doing it. I've been keeping his word. All right. Look in chapter 15. Here's a familiar verse. Amen. Here in verse 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me, what's it mean to live? What does it mean to abide? To live in. Well, one, I think the Amphite says to take up residency. Another place it says to feel at home. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. The word of God has the ability because it is alive and it is a spiritual force, even though it's natural words here. But you know the great thing about it is, you know, think about this. Think about how, how great God is. Not just, we, I mean, I've got, just because I, where I was born, where I was raised, what I was taught, I've got a Bible that's in English. But this word works no matter what language it's in. And I'll tell you this, if it doesn't work, it's not God's word. I found this out from traveling overseas in different places and, and, and really looking at some things that if what you're preaching won't work everywhere in the world, you're not preaching the Bible. That's right. That's Amen. Right. You know, I've been in, I've been in there in East Africa many times and so many actually, actually going, got another trip this summer to Kenya and I've, I've taken so many short term trips. I've lived there a year. So many times you add them all together, been there over a year, starting in 1996, but working with the ministry there and, uh, uh, teaching on, uh, some things and started teaching on the, on, uh, sowing and reaping, you know, seed time and harvest, you know, seed time and harvest will work anywhere. It works anywhere. That's a principle of God. And God even said, as long as the earth remains seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping is going to work. So, but you know. Uh, sometimes if we're not careful, what do we, what do we hear? And I'm not calling, I'm not calling, listen, I'm not calling your favorite preacher's name. I'm not calling any preacher's name. I'm just saying we hear these things. Well, if you'll give a hundred dollars then God will do this. Well, <laughs> what, what about a person that doesn't have any money that they, they grow their own, they grow their own food. And then when they want, when they want something else that they can't grow, they'll take what they have to the market and trade it for what somebody else has grown for them. And that's how they live. Amen. And I've seen them. You talk, you talk about sort of, I've seen them. I've seen guys, and, and it's not easy. These guys are, I mean, you, I'm, you know, when we go to the store, you say, get some bananas. Well, let's get, you know, pick up, got little six little bananas. Have you ever seen a real bunch of bananas? I mean, here they come, toting their bananas. What do they do? Put them in the offering. That's the best they got. They want to give their best to God. I've seen it. I see at one place, somebody brought a young steer in. I mean, worth lots of, lots of money. Brought it in. You say, well, what, praise God, what did you, they killed it. We all ate. The whole place fed the whole church. It's a blessing. But they're sowing and reaping. Sowing, because sowing and reaping works everywhere. But sometimes, you know, if we've got to be careful, we're not preaching a cultural message. Now, I realize we can apply some things culturally. But if it's going to, if it's the word of God, it works everywhere. All right. Thank God. 
All right, so this works everywhere in the world. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Doesn't matter where you live, okay? Doesn't matter, doesn't matter where you're born. Like somebody said, doesn't matter if you're born on the east side of the tracks, on the west side of the tracks, or on the tracks themselves. It doesn't matter. It works for everybody. Look at chapter 17 then. John 17. This word works, amen? I can depend upon it. You can depend upon it. You don't ever have to ask, I wonder if this will work for me. It will work for you. It's a guarantee. God's word is a guarantee. I love 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is, this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will. Where do we find his will? From the word. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know that we have the petitions we have desired of him. Confidence. Not just, we're not wondering. You know, Christian, we don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess what God, we go to the word. What does the word say? Your people, well, you never know what God's going to do. Well, you don't know God then. I'll guarantee one thing. He's going he's to honor his word. Now, there are some things God does suddenly, just suddenly out of the, and, and that might catch you by surprise, but thank God, it, that, that's a good thing. We don't, you know, I don't have to try to figure that out. Sometimes, you know, some things don't need analyzed. It's just like, praise God, that was good. Well, now let's analyze that. No, don't do that. Don't. You're going you're gonna to get your own opinion. You're going to mess it up. God did something. Just let it go. We know that why. Why did that happen? God's good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. Yeah. Amen. Did you find John 17? Look at verse 17. There's so much there we could. He talked about giving, us, giving his disciples his word. And uh, he gets to verse 17 said, sanctify. Sanctify means set apart. And in relationship to sanctify, it's really set apart for a special usage. Okay? Now let's get down here. Any of you got any sanctified money tonight? Got some money set aside somewhere? You know, any of you guys got a little hide place in your wallet if you got a wallet? Got a little money tucked in there? Or your lady's got something tucked away somewhere, you know? You don't want your husband to find. It's your money, but it's tucked away. You don't want your kids to find. You know what I'm saying. It's not like you're hiding it or trying to keep it from, but it's just tucked away because you got, it's, it's saving it for a special usage. That's what it means to be sanctified. I like to think of this way, separated for a divine purpose, God's purpose. Sanctify them through your truth. The, your truth or thy truth, thy word, sorry, is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, remember, Jesus is the Word made flesh, right? Here again, Wally, I, didn't, I, I didn't put this, but Hebrews 13. We've got to turn over there. Hebrews 13. This is an add-on verse here to my list. So Jesus is the Word made flesh. And as long as it doesn't, you know, as long as it doesn't just really change the context... There are times you could say the word or Jesus in here. And this is one of those times. It won't change the context. In fact, it really explodes this verse for us, helps us out. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. And then when you find verse 7, turn to verse 8, because that's what I want. Sorry. Verse 8, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, I know I just messed up your notes bad. I'm sorry if you're taking notes, scratch out 7. Jesus Christ, the same 
yesterday, and today, and forever. Now, Jesus is the Word made flesh. Think of it this way. Let's put these two together now. So the Word, Jesus, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy Word is truth. So let's define truth. It's something that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's God's, that's God's Word's definition of truth. Something that's the same. Now, again, like I said, facts, facts are subject to change because, you know, some, some facts change every second. What time it is, every second the facts change of what time it is. Other things, you know, uh, uh, there's different, you know, 10 of us could see the same event take place and all of us give a factual account and all 10 could be different based on our, 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 our point of view and what we saw and didn't see or what we heard and didn't hear, right? But it's all the facts, even though we might, we might disagree on few points, but the truth, it doesn't change. It's the same. So when I go to God's word and I see something in God's word, like by Jesus stripes, you were healed. If I were, if I, if we were healed, then I am today because that fact can't change that truth. I mean, that's a truth from God's word. It's not going to change. I'm healed today. You're healed today. Well, I don't feel it. Well, that's a fact. Keep saying what the truth says. Keep holding to what the truth says. Now, nothing wrong with going and getting the, checks, the, the facts of how you feel checked out by the doctor, not against doctors in any, any way, shape, or form, okay? Nothing wrong with that. If you need to, go check it out. Pastor Hagen always says it's the natural and the supernatural makes the explosive force for God. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. You know, Brother Hagen himself, he, 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 there was times, you know, that he, would, he had been dealing with people, helping them, trying to receive healing. They couldn't do it. He actually would pay their doctor bills, pay for them to get in. Sometimes he would do that, help them wherever, meet them wherever they could believe, he said. Yeah. All right? And so uh, we're not against, not against that at all. So when, say, I, I want to say that so people don't get, but I'm telling you this, the word of God doesn't fail. Amen. It works, all right? Now go to Acts chapter 20, and let's leave off with this tonight. How many realize there's a lot we could really say about this, but this is where we're going tonight. The Apostle Paul here in Acts chapter 20 is in Miletus on the seacoast, the Mediterranean Sea, south of where Ephesus was. And uh, he, he bypassed Ephesus. But when he got to Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church to come there. And he's telling them what's going on. And he told them in there, you know, I, I, I didn't hold anything back. I told you. Because he'd been there three years ministering to him, He said, I didn't hold anything back that was profitable to you. And he said, uh, I know this, that those who I see here, I'll, I'll not see you face to face again. And, uh, you know, that, that really upset them. And that he told them, he said, now after I leave, you know, some are going to come in and try to divide the flock. There's going to be sheep that come from outside, uh, wolves that come from the outside. And there's going to be sheep in, in, from inside with wolves you know, wolves with sheep clothing on, they're going to devour from the end. But it's all, they're all going to try to make disciples after themselves. He said, I warned you about this for three years. When I leave, this is what's going to try to happen. All right. He left Timothy. We know from church history, he left Timothy there to oversee that church and to, to appoint elders. And uh, many scholars believe that the number of believers in Ephesus grew to over 200, maybe 250,000 people. And they met from house to house. They didn't have auditoriums to meet in, but just a large. And from there, all, the Bible says all Asia heard the word of God because it was the main 
It was the main uh, trade route. It was the main city of that area. And everybody would come through there and would hear about what, uh, hear the gospel. And so, but he gets there, he gets here now to the end. Here he's got these, these ministers who have been given overseer. They're overseers of the flock of God. We would call them pastors today probably. But they were overseers. He told them, feed the church. All right. And he gets to verse 32, Acts chapter 20. And he says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Of all the things that he could leave them with, of all the things he could say, and now, and now, at this end, this is last words. I mean, these are important words. How many of you know Jesus' words were, his last words were important? Wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Basically say, look, don't even think about going and doing what I told you to do until you receive that power. Okay? And even then, uh, Paul said he appeared to 500 of them at one time, and only 120 stayed to the day of Pentecost. But thank God, what did they do? They turned the world upside down. Aren't you glad? How many of it turned, how many of it, how many because of them, your world got turned upside down? Glory to God. And now he said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able, which has the potential, which has the power, which has the ability to build you up, not only build you up, but to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We have an inheritance. A big part of it we, we take part of now, but we also have that part that's reserved, eternal life. We have it in us now, but we're going to have a, we're gonna have a body that's going to have eternal life in it. We're going to live eternally with God in a new body. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. All right? But that's part of our inheritance. But how do we find out about it? How do we know about it? From the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. You know, when someone, when someone would... would uh, uh, die and they, they have a will. Once the will is read, you find out what they're, what they want to leave, whether or not you have an inheritance. It's lined out in the will. Years ago, I heard there was persecution going on in, uh, in Ireland about, uh, about Christianity. Some have, you know, because of the, the church of England was very, very strong there. And they were, they, they didn't really like this evangelical movement that was going on. And so people were having Bible studies all over and, uh, there was patrols out looking for Christians that were doing this, you know, uh, kind of like Paul was doing back in his day, they were doing this and, uh, they caught this, uh, they caught this as true story. They caught this young lady and, uh, said, where are you going? She said, well, I'm traveling to and says, well, what are you doing? And this is what she said. My brother has died and I'm going to a reading of the will. What she was doing was going to a Bible study to hear the word of God. She said, my brother, Jesus, my brother, <laughs> has died. She didn't say who it was, but I'm going to a reading of the will. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, we need to read the will. Amen. Know what inheritance belongs to us. It is that word that is able to build us up. And that word that is able to give us, not just tell us about I mean, give us. It's one thing to be told about healing. It's one thing to be told about the blessings of salvation and all the. It's one thing to hear about it. It's another thing to have it. Amen. And God, the God, uh, 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 you know, don't ever believe a preacher says when they're finished. I want to read one more scripture, okay? And I, I'm joking about this. You can believe. I, I will. I promise you, I won't read one more. This will be the last one. <laughs> all right, Romans eight thirty two. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things?
Woo, glory to God. Now, how do I find out what belongs to me? Through the word of God. Through the word of God. Now, it's not God that's holding it out on me. So if it's not coming in my life, we realize what? I've got an enemy. He's trying to keep it from me. He tried to keep Jesus from being the son of, tried to keep him, if you be the son of, tried to keep him from fulfilling what God had called him to do. Tried to keep him, you know, from doing it. And he tries to keep us from doing it. But no, we just say, I've got the word of God on it, devil. You can't, you have no say so in this whatsoever. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's thank God for his word. Father, we just thank you and praise you. We thank you and praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I hear that natural rain coming down. I thank you for the rain of your spirit. Your word says that in the last days you're going to pour out your early and latter rain together. There's going to be bright clouds. There's going to be floods of rain, floods of your spirit poured out throughout all the earth. Father, I thank you for it. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father God, that your word is true. That what it says to me, it says to anyone that you're no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. And Father, through, our, through this great salvation, our, this common salvation that we all have together, your word is there to teach us and to guide us. And Father, we should not live by any other means but by the, by the word of God. Let it be our nourishment. Let, us, let it feed us in our spirit, man, so we might be strong. For the strong spirit of man shall sustain him in his infirmity. Shall sustain us uh, when we have trials and temptations. Shall sustain us when the facts are against us. When we look to your truth, O oh God. Your truth, which is able. Your truth, which builds us up and gives us that inheritance. We give you all the praise and glory for it, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Wasn't God good?